I'm Tom Corbett. He's Sterling Pingree. This is the new sports order. And we got a healthy-ish Sterling back this week. Fresh off the COVID. I'm back. I'm back. You know, you you, you always think it it can happen to you. But uh, two and a half years in and it got me. But we're back at it. Patriots are on a bye. So was I. Who else would get COVID on the Patriots bye week? Who who else would time it that well? I don't know. Probably like at least 60 of the people that were at the concert with you. (laughs) Do do your job, Tom. Do your job. My Uh, job is to get COVID and to get it during the bye week. It's, you know, it's like having a kid. You just you do it in the off season. Like, don't do that during the year. I feel like I would have been less disappointed if I had COVID last week than I was at the end of the Cowboys game with the Packers. I mean, you were disappointed, but was there any surprise to it? I mean, Mike McCarthy, and maybe it's that building. I mean, maybe it's him being in Lambeau. Maybe it's him wearing the Vince Lombardi car coat. Maybe it's just the the Wisconsin air. Maybe it's the bush lights. I don't know. I don't know if it's that because I think I can point to a good amount of games that weren't at Lambeau Field that were very similar. But, geez. And I had a feeling. I said it last week with Pawnee. I'm like, God. Now it's at that point, and it was coming into the game, where it's like, just don't let us be the team that loses to the Packers after they barely scored points against the worst defense in NFL history. And sure well, enough. Three, three interceptions inside the five. I, I mean, they were due, I, I guess is the way to look at it, as they lost five games in a row. And and their last win was against Bailey Zappi, and he came on a last-second field goal in overtime. Um, they were due. The, the Packers had to win a game at some point here. It just so happened that the perfect elixir for Aaron Rodgers is the Dallas Cowboys, a team he has. But, and it, I don't think there's animosity, but he enjoys beating that franchise. Within like a minute and a half, I knew we were going to lose. And it's when we were up 28-14 in the fourth quarter. Like we scored 28-14, and it shows Mike McCarthy just way too excited on the sidelines almost looking like he's doing the, hey, slapping hands and shaking like you do with like 30 seconds left, up 14. Yeah, it was a a mojo moment. And then the broadcast mentions, oh, the Cowboys are like 198-0 when leading by 14 or more in the fourth quarter. Mike McCarthy said, hold my bush light. I'll show you a thing or two. Oh, just... Just, oh, it was brutal. We just gave it away. I mean, it it wasn't the biggest giveaway of the day. I mean, it wasn't the Buffalo Bills. We'll get to that. We yeah. will. But, but it, it but it, 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 it was it, it was inexplicable, but still somehow expected. It it re- it really was. And as soon as it was over, I'm like, well, there goes any chance at the NFC East. Even And I still think that, even though the Eagles lost to the Commanders the next night, because you're still down two games. You only have one left with them. And the Eagles still have, I believe, the easiest schedule the remainder of the way. So I have checked out now on trying to catch them for the NFC East. We're now a game behind the Giants, who, for the love of God... I've never seen somebody try to give away a game as much as... I kept clicking back, because here in Vermont, we always get the Giants game as one of our local teams. Cue the old-timer coming into the room going, well, back in the day, before the Patriots, all we had was the Giants. Yeah. But I kept clicking back and forth between that game and the Bills game. And every time I click back, Houston's in the red zone... Down seven, they can't score, they turn it over, and I'd switch back, then I'd come back, and Houston's got the ball back, still the same score, back down in the red zone, can't score, can't do anything. 
it, it, it felt like Houston had like four touchdowns called back. Like I, I can name four Houston Texans, which is a feat in and of itself, that scored on Sunday that none of them counted. Every time I look, it's like, oh, Nico Collins, touchdown in the end zone. And then a second later, I don't know what the heck happened. Brandon Cooks had one that was brought back, I think. Yep. It was just, uh, you know, Damian Pierce probably had a couple. Just he's the only other Texan besides Rex Burkhead, I think I can name on offense. Almost cowboy Brandon Cooks. Sure. Sure. Almost, he was, he was uh, the target. Other NFL franchise, Brandon Cooks. Yeah. But Houston didn't want to eat any of his money. Instead, and thank God, somehow, somehow the Cowboys had enough wisdom to say, you know, I don't think we need. Now we're going to end up with whatever is left of Odell Beckham in a week. You know, I feel for Brandon Cooks. I mean, he he was young when he still came to New England uh, before the Super Bowl 52 season because uh, that's how we measure time in New England. Uh, still putting out numbers. England, well, he gets, so he gets knocked. He was young. He was only, I think, three years in the league in, in New Orleans, comes to New England, for one year, we trade him to the Rams. He goes to back-to-back Super Bowls, loses both of them, gets knocked out of Super Bowl 52 with the Patriots after trying to vault a linebacker on a separate play, which should have been a touchdown. Um, and then the next year, has that uh, the incredible pass breakup where he's wide open and Jason McCourty breaks it up in the end zone. And then since then, I swear to God, he's been on a different team every season. I actually had a, like number had a great year last year, I believe, in Houston. And, like, I would almost feel bad, but it's very similar to, like, Kevin Love. When you sign with the bad team and you get the extension from the bad team to get to secure the bag to get the money, I don't feel that bad when you're then upset a year later that the team's awful. Like, you knew it was going to be awful. You you made a business decision. Yeah. You decided. You're Robinson Cano going, you know, I think signing with the Mariners is what's right for me. You you made a decision. Now, Cooks, yeah, I don't get it. The guy's bounced around so much. Still not that old. Seems like he's been around forever because he's been on a lot of teams. But poor guy. It, it just does not work out for him. No. But, you know, but let, let's get this back on to your Dallas Cowboys. There's a lot more to unpack here. How do you feel about Dak Prescott in this moment? Because, you know, I, and, I, and I don't want to heap too much on him, but watching him just down the stretch in that game, it had a playoff feel from the standpoint of that's what I sort of expect in the second half of a playoff game from Dak Prescott. I expect leads, and then I expect you know just it's never one bad play with Dak. Yeah, it's just it's, consistently kind of letting it slip away. Yeah, by before being before the bye week, it was like Chicago. He had it rolling there for a bit, yep. then kind of had that heat check. Before halftime, tried to force it in, interception, Chicago scored points. I'm like, okay. So part of me wants to say he's still getting into his rhythm. Because remember, there was he hardly played at all in the preseason, as did most. True. Played, whatever it was, three and a half quarters against Tampa Bay in week one, then sat out five straight weeks. So I'm still notching... Hope that he's still just trying to find the groove. But yeah, he's had some just bad interceptions. I'll still still take him over Mac Jones, but n- there's been some worrisome interceptions. And you can see, and it's weird because there's almost, it seems like some miscommunication with CD on a couple picks. Where it's, and even like Greg Olson was like, Oh, he totally thought he was supposed to break off that route there, but kept going. He had a couple of those. So that's why I want to believe that he's still trying to find that groove and get back into that full rhythm. At least that's the hope. Well, and we're seeing it from from multiple quarterbacks. I mean, the one taking the brunt of it this week is is Josh Allen for – you know, making bad decisions or or forcing the ball when he doesn't have to and – you know, but yeah, you, you see it out of Dak, and I mean, for a guy who plays, I wouldn't say conservatively, but I mean, he, he is kind of the definition of a, a stable, sturdy quarterback. He is, 
and people use this as a bad word, but I mean, to me, it's just kind of the baseline. And when I think of a quarterback who, you know, isn't going to dazzle you with numbers, he's going to win some football games. He will put up surprisingly more adequate stats than you think. Dak Prescott is kind of Kirk Cousins. He, well, yeah. he is, and the numbers are eerily similar. Yeah, and you know the weird thing is, and it's not to compare him to Russell Wilson, but almost in the same vein, like you really don't see Dak take off anymore. And he was always good for a couple 14, 15 yard runs a game. I mean, he broke his leg off. Yeah. But even last year, I mean, unfortunately on pretty much the last game of the season in the playoffs took off, had a great run, no time left to, uh, to try to tie the game, but not really doing that. And, the most frustrating part is I feel like the running game, Zeke is having a great year. He's been out the last few weeks. Pollard's picked right up, taken right off with it. And I'm not like upset that they went for it on fourth and four in overtime. Didn't go for the long field goal. But if you know we're in four down territory, then on third and four, why not try to run the ball? Get it a couple yards closer. Tony Pollard's having success. Everyone thinks you're probably going to pass. Play it as four down territory. You can run the the ball on Green Bay, too. I mean, it's really no secret. Though, I will say that being said, on third and four, C.D. Lamb was bear-hugged about a second before the football got to him, and they didn't call anything. But that's neither here nor there. Well, and the referees kind of put their whistles away in that game. And we saw it in, in Buffalo, Minnesota, too, is that, I mean, they, they put the whistles away kind of in crunch time and overtime in some of these bigger games, which, you know, to a point, I appreciate that they're not going to you know, decide these games. I remember what a couple of years ago, uh, the Raiders and it was like the Chargers on Monday night. Remember the Raiders had like six shots at the end zone from the five because every play they ran, they called a penalty. So they just kept doing it over and over and over and over. And I think Jared Cook ultimately scored a touchdown. I was like, if you're just going to give the Raiders this game, like let's just do it. It's past midnight right now. and We're just doing this over and over. Because on some of those plays, you can call a hold every single time. But yeah, it, there's some unfortunate ones. Not as bad as the face mask in the Monday Nighter, but mm. the, there were oh, some yeah. egregious calls this weekend or non calls. It's funny because they were. I'm always interested to see which ones they choose to kind of hammer on and which ones they don't. Like, I saw one replay of that play, and the guy's got the bear hugs around both the CD's arms before the ball gets there. And Greg Olson. I might have got there a step early, and then you just don't see another replay again. And I will actually say, I thought Greg Olson was pretty good in this game. Olson's good. Olson does a really good job, I think. He he's one that I think has picked up on it really quickly, and you know it's almost too bad with with Brady coming into Fox, and you know he'll be on the A squad because they're paying him A squad money. Uh, but not officially I mean, Greg yet. Olsen, depending on well, I mean, t- if you believe the yeah, the conspiracy theories. That that might be one of my favorite new conspiracy theories is that Which he is came what? back to the NFL this year so his Fox deal wouldn't kick in so he wouldn't then have to pay in part of it to Giselle because he knew he was getting divorced. Yeah, they already had a prenup. I don't know. I'm just, Like I said, I'm not a uh, a specialist on their prenup or divorce settlement. But I thought that was a very fun conspiracy theory I heard recently. Oh, sure. That he came back. Oh, sure. So his Fox contract wouldn't kick in before the divorce. Smart. Smart. Tom Brady's game manager. All right. Huh. Anything else you want to dig at from the Cowboys uh, game? I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw the, this stat out there where the New England Patriots didn't play this week, but I'm going to give a Patriot positive stat out there. Uh, the Patriots didn't play. They are 5-4. and four. They are in last place in the AFC East. They are the seventh seed right now in the AFC playoffs. So by not playing... They uh, work themselves into the playoffs right now. So just a weird stat. That'd be a weird stat for anybody to be last place in your own division, but still be uh, technically in the playoffs. 
And once again, for the second time in whatever four weeks, big matchup coming with the New York Jets. You know, it's and the Jets had a bye week. I mean, what, what about the timing of this? The fact that yeah, play them three weeks ago. And like a wise man once said, you don't want to give Robert Sala extra time to prepare for a team. Well, but you also have Bill Belichick coming off a bye, playing a young quarterback for the second time. Patriots won 13 straight over the Jets. But again, that that still sort of scares me. I mean, it depends on what Zach Wilson shows up. I want the Zach Wilson who is tired of throwing the ball away and decides to throw the ball to Devin McCourty instead. That's the type of Zach Wilson I want on Sunday. Now, you and I haven't talked about this in a couple weeks, obviously, because you weren't here last week. But last time we talked, we mentioned, for the love of God, if Matt can just have a decent game going into the bye, it would silence a lot, and they could kind of get back into a normal rhythm. Patriots get the win before the bye, but once again didn't look incredibly honed in or sharp. And I don't want to just keep hitting this every week because that's freaking boring, and who wants to do that? But, man, just need one decent start, I think, just to turn positive vibes into the quarterback position. So here's kind of where I fell on that, and, and you can read it in my uh, Patriot notes from from that game week nine against the Indianapolis Colts. You know, some of them put on Mac. He looks, he, he's indecisive. He's got happy feet. He's the second he touches the football, he's looking to get rid of it, um, which doesn't sound like a bad thing. But when you watch him, you you see kind of how out of rhythm he is. But the offensive line right now is an absolute mess. Uh, and, and hopefully, David Andrews coming back off concussion protocol. He'll be back out there this weekend against the Jets. Hopefully that settles down Cole Strange. Cole Strange has been benched the last two weeks. The first-round pick out of Tennessee Chattanooga. Uh, you know, is it a coincidence that he had his two worst games as a pro after David Andrews goes out on concussion protocol? I, I seriously doubt that it is. So I'm hoping that you know Andrews comes back. It solidifies the line. Mac has a little bit more time. If not, I mean, it is a tough matchup the, this week against the Jets. I mean, we saw what that front did three weeks ago where – Mac didn't have a lot of time. They moved the ball a little bit on offense. Uh, they get Devontae Parker back. So, I mean, they, they've quietly had a few injuries on the offensive side. Kendrick Bourne is dealing with some turf toe. Uh, Damian Harris has missed uh, multiple games in the last, like, four weeks. Really hasn't been healthy since since Green Bay five weeks ago. So, if they can get some guys healthy and, and settle the offensive line down, I think we'll get more of a kind of true indication as to where Mac Jones is. I think the bye was, uh, was aptly timed. You get a couple wins. You start to feel a little bit better because at the end of the day, too, not a dominant win over the Jets, but you felt good about a divisional win on the road. And then you come out and you, you handle the Indianapolis Colts. Now, how much did it have to do with the offense? Very little. We got, you know, there's a block punt. We got the ball at the two yard line still, you know, struggled to score a touchdown. You got a pick six late in the game. I mean, there's some, some special team stuff in there as well. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Nick Falk bangs in four field goals. It was the defense that won the game, nine sacks. Sam Ellinger looked terrible. But you beat a team 26-3. to I mean, my gripe with the way people were reacting, I was listening to some of the Patriots postgame that day. I mean, fans were calling for Zappy. They were calling for Mac to be benched, released, cut, you know, drawn and quartered in a public square. You just won a game 26-3. to He threw no picks. He was 20 of 30. He didn't throw for 200 yards. He threw for one touchdown, no interceptions, no fumbles. All he had to do was not lose that game. And he didn't lose the game. So to look at some pauses from there, he didn't hurt you. So Sounds, sounds not very... Exactly, not exactly where you want to be, but I'm rationalizing. It's, it's listening to that. I was like, holy crap. It sounds like he's talking about Jimmy G in San Francisco. Yeah, I think it's something like that. Just, just, just don't hurt the team. That's all. Man. But yeah, getting healthy will go a long way. And I say that as the Cowboys continue to get less healthy. We lost another corner yeah. this week to a concussion. Uh, was it Brown on the, the first touchdown for Christian Watson? Hey. Congratulations to Christian Watson 
Cowboys major player. Yeah, uh, he's on my bench in fantasy and had three tuds in my first loss of the season. So shout out Christian Watson. It was funny. He scored his first touchdown. And Greg Olson, not to harp on Greg Olson, but he said something like, that might be one of the biggest catches in that young receiver's career. I'm like, thank you, Greg. He's had six drops, two and a half. He's only got one touchdown so far in this, his rookie season, and it was off a rush. Yep, first career receiving touchdown, maybe his biggest catch of his career. Thank you. But it's because Greg Olson knew what was to come. He, he, He saw it coming. This could be the start of, who knows, the next Donald Driver or... Devonte Adams, whoever you want to. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll take Devonte Adams. Could be Driver. Could be Jordy Nelson. You never know. But hey, glad he got off the off the Schneid. That is the. Well, yeah. He was what second round pick, which is second about it. He was he was Trey Lance's guy to North Dakota State. He had that drop like the first first you know, pass drive of, of the season. season. Yeah. Like first yeah. play of the season, touchdown pass. Yeah, so if he can, uh, plus he'll bounce back from that. It'd be nice. Plus, you got to know, second round pick for the Packers is about as high as you could possibly get for a skill position guy. So a lot of pressure. Oh yeah, there. yeah. That, that that's like uh, them signing a big free agent. Something else they don't do. Let's uh, let's get into some winners and losers. From this past week. Let's do it. And I'm going to sandwich mine together at the same time. We're going to talk about both at the same time. Because my winner was the Vikings. My loser was the Bills. For the Vikings. They played each other. Okay. I see see what you're doing. Yeah. You know, trying to make it. Very literal this week. Very literal. Very literal. Vikings. I thought they needed a signature win. They still didn't really have one the entire season. They needed to, you know, show that they could do it against one of those big teams and come back from some adversity. I mean, Kirk Cousins has had some some good games, some come-from-behind plays. Now, the end of this game was absolutely bananas, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Highlighted, perhaps, by one of the greatest pressure catches maybe I've ever seen in my life by Justin Jefferson. Unbelievable. Maybe, I mean, when you when you factor in the conditions and the situation of the game, fourth down, four, fourth and eighteen, fourth and eighteen, and he pulled it out of the grasp of two hands of the defense. I, I can't think of a better catch. I, I can't. You know, yeah. people kept saying, "Well, what what about the Odell catch?" I was like, you know, it's impressive, but I think we see that now at the college level, like, you know, once a season, a guy makes a a comparable one-handed grab, you know, with the gloves. Uh, The Jefferson catch in in that instance, I can't think of anything better. But now the Vikings are, I was, I said before Monday night that they were firmly planted now they were going to be the two seed in the NFC. But now the Eagles lose one. They got hopefully a better Packers team coming up. It's to that. Now that that game's over, I just hope that the Packers continue this momentum for when they play sure. the Eagles. They got another game of the Cowboys and they got two against the Giants, which what are the Giants? I don't think anyone still knows. Who knows? Vikings now have kind of a shot for that top seed in the NFC. Okay. You know, it, it, it was something to see, to, to see Cousins play, you know, big game, tough conditions, on the road, Buffalo, bad weather. You know, it was good to see him win. Um, I don't know if I'm sold on him. I'm really not. I think after this weekend, it, it really told me, you know, Minnesota's, I think, in that mix. But so's the Eagles. So's, I, I, 
I don't think there's a dominant team in, in the NFC. And now I think I'm even more sure of it. But I think we know now where kind of the ceiling is for Buff, for Minnesota that, yeah, they, they could win a big game and, and maybe they could even do it in the playoffs. Um, you know, the Patriots play at Minnesota Thanksgiving night. It, it's, I mean, outside of the two games we have with Buffalo and, and Miami, I mean, it's the toughest game the Patriots have, you know, schedule. Actually, I mean, it's the best record they'll, they'll play all season. I'm still just not that scared of Kirk Cousins in prime time. I mean, it's, he's won, what, one game ever at 8 p.m.? Yep. He's like one in 16. You know, he's matinee Kirk. Um, I don't know. I, I really have a tough time buying in on, on this Vikings team. I mean, Dalvin Cook looks great. Jefferson is absolutely unstoppable. You forget at this point they have Adam Thielen. Ooh, let the me ask. This is good. The, the front is good. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm still not completely sold on him. You are, uh, you're starting over. Everyone's hitting reset in the NFL, and you're just doing a giant draft of every active player. Are you taking okay. Justin Jefferson or Tyreek Hill? Jefferson. Uh, well, I mean, quarterbacks excluded. Yeah. If quarter, I mean, if, you know, I'm saying you're choosing between these two. You're you're ready for a receiver. Okay. These two are on the board. Okay, but between those two, I'm taking Justin Jefferson. The only other one I, I put in that same vein is I would consider Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, I think, with his size and, and speed, I, I would highly consider him with Jefferson. Now, we're not talking about Miami this week, but God, they are they are rolling. It is There's Tua Mania cool. and Tyreek has an outside chance of breaking Calvin Johnson's record for most yards in a season. What's the stat I saw today uh, in the last 15 games? And I always love that we have to preface it with that to a started and finished. The dolphins are 14 and one. I mean, that's stats a, say what you want to say. It's unbelievable. It, it's just unbelievable. So, but back to the Vikings, like I said, big win. Now they host the Cowboys this week. And hopefully, knock on wood, that, that'll again be on uh on TV. I think that's the main game at four thirty. And oddly enough, and I don't feel good about this at all, the Cowboys are favored on the road in Minnesota by I think like two and a half. That at least that was right. yeah, and that, at least that was as of a couple days ago. I haven't checked recently, and that just yeah, that just yeah didn't seem right at all. It, it it doesn't. I mean, just look at the records. Look at you know, especially coming off the big win. I yeah, I, I can't say that I abide by that one. Um, you know, I don't know what to think about Buffalo now, and not to make it all about you know this one week, but you know, you lose to the Jets the week before that. I kind of thought that Josh Allen had outgrown this. I mean, remember a couple of years ago, Josh Allen was you know, probably the most fun player to watch play football because, I mean, you didn't know what he was going to do. He might run for you know, a 27-yard game, fumble twice, recover it himself, dribble the ball you know, five yards downfield, recover it again, throw an interception on a, on a lateral. Little Trevor I mean, Lawrence. He was all over the board. You had no idea what he was going to do play to play. He might throw the worst pick. He might throw it. I remember seeing him as a rookie uh, playing the Patriots. I was in the stadium, and I mean, he threw a ball out of bounds that landed like seven rows deep in the sideline. Like This guy has the greatest throwaways because they all went 47 yards. I had one of those just, playing basketball once. Yeah, Cross-court you know, pass, it just sailed. just goes on you sometimes, you know? You, you all I could do is turn and, and say, why didn't you jump? Yeah, I, I was trying to you just go up and get it. Uh, and now we've seen really the last two weeks that he's sort of back to trying to do too much. Mm. You know, Say what you want about 110% and giving it your all. I don't want my quarterback running every time he runs out of the pocket like it's fourth and inches in the Super Bowl. And that's what Josh Allen does, by God, is he's putting that 
left kidney out there trying to get an extra inch when hey do, you know it, it's second and seven yeah and like, i you don't you don't have to fight for that one extra yard in this case if it means you're going to get killed and i have them down as my losers this week and partly because like i said josh allen four red zone interceptions in the last like seven days last two games and coming into this week like oh there's something wrong with his elbow maybe just a strain sure not sure whether he's gonna play or not he ends up playing and now i feel like after this loss buffalo is in a lose-lose situation because either you say a yeah his elbow still isn't right so then you're like so why the hell did you play him against Minnesota when you're up in your division? Nothing really to gain. You could have gave him that week. Or you say it's not his elbow, and you have these people, just like you did, saying, hey, then what the hell is wrong with him? Why is he turning it over in the end zone every other drive? There's no good answer coming out of this game. Either he's beat up and you play them when probably shouldn't have. You take, I mean, Dallas, let Zeke sit again. They're going super cautious there. They didn't rush Dak back. And it cost probably cost him the game against Philadelphia. Who cares? Of course, they were playing with house money at that point because Cooper sure. Rush had won whatever it was, four straight. You're up. You're safe. Everyone thinks you're the favorite. You could have just sat him then if he was hurt. If you lose, you lose. Now you lose anyway, and there's just a bunch of questions that you got to deal with now this week. Well, and, and Buffalo's had some some tough luck with injuries too. Jordan Poyer being out. They you know, were without Matt Milano against the Jets. He came back, played against Minnesota. Um, you know, some of it you could chalk up to fluke. I mean, I, I always watch those plays closely where a team has the ball at the one-inch line and they have to get out of the end zone and sneak it and, you know, get the ball so they can kneel it. And you always think, like, man, some team's going to fumble here. It, you know, and I don't know as if I've ever seen it. It seems a play that would be right for a fumble or a botched snap, and that's exactly what happened. But I talked to a friend of mine who's a, a Bills fan. I said, you know, how did you lose to the Jets? He's like, our offense, we got super conservative. Ken Dorsey, you know, just everything he did, they they refused to to go for it and throw the ball downfield, which is you know kind of how the Patriots actually moved the ball in the Jets the week before that. And then I think Ken Dorsey kind of went crazy this week against Minnesota. And, uh, you know, Devin Singletary looked like a world beater in the first half, ha- had a couple of touchdowns and running the ball well on, on the Vikings. And then I think he had like two carries in the second half. I mean, they had the ball at the five yard line up, what, 10 points with four and a half minutes left. And they didn't run the ball once when Devin Singletary was making hay all day. So unless he was injured or, or something, like why in that case? So it, it's almost you know a tale of two halves with with Ken Dorsey is that he's too conservative. So he's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to make up for. It. We're going to go, you know, we're going to go wild next week. And what that entails is we're going to keep the ball in Josh Allen's hands the most, which I get. You you put the ball in your best player's hands. You got a lot of great players on that offense, and the reason you've been so good the last two years is the ability to find an Isaiah McKenzie, Stephon Diggs, last year Cole Beasley. Uh, some of these running backs on wheel routes. And now it's like in crunch time, they go, all right, Josh, you got to do it all yourself. You got no help. Go. All weapons out there. They, Buffalo needs to find some balance. And I think they will. This is a, a mid-year slump, we'll say. But they're technically in third place in the AFC East right now. Oh, one note on Minnesota. And I, it's funny because I thought someone mentioned it afterwards and it kind of made me chuckle that it was like the bad karma bowl between the Vikings and the Bills with all their history and lack of winning the big one. Minnesota is just... More Super Bowls. Yeah. Minnesota is just shaping up for heartbreak. I can see it with Greg Joseph, who's missed four extra points this season and five field goals so far, and it has all the makings for a big missed kick in the playoffs that cost Minnesota. Can you imagine if those two teams played in the Super Bowl? I mean, we talk all the time about, you know, like what if the Browns played the Bills in the playoffs or 
But man, you know, Vikings, Bills, two teams, neither one have ever won a Super Bowl. I mean, the, the Vikings were the original Bills. They lost four in the 70s. And then the Bills obviously lost four in a row in the 90s. But yeah, that, that, would, that would be the misery bowl for sure. It'd be kind of cool to see one of them uh, raise a Lombardi trophy. But Yeah, what is it? Minnesota lost a trip to the Super Bowl to the Falcons when they should have went. They did. 98. On a what? Morton Anderson field goal? No, Gary Anderson. Gary. Uh, who was it? Yeah, Gary Anderson. Yeah, Gary Anderson missed it. Morton Anderson was the kicker, actually, of the Atlanta Falcons, who yeah. made the winning field goal in overtime. Gary Anderson, who I don't think had missed one all season, uh, missed when his time expired, and I believe it was like the highest scoring team in NFL history. The '98 Vikings with rookie Randy Moss uh, did not go to the Super Bowl, robbing us really. And this is a, a stance I've taken many times that it really robbed us of one of the should have been one of the great Super Bowls, Super Bowl '33, Broncos Vikings. Would have been an outstanding game. Instead, we mm. got Broncos Falcons, which was over before it began. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, that would have been real, like changing of the guard matchup with the old Broncos and this new. I mean, Chris Carter was was older by then, but but yeah. still, 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 all he did was catch touchdowns. Love Chris Carter as a that player. offense was outstanding. That was the uh, the Randall Cunningham Renaissance. Yep. And eventually the uh, Dante Culpepper. Good year or two. I think Jeff George was in there for like a good season in between. No, I mean, not not good, but like it wasn't bad. Well, I mean, it was Jeff George, so I mean, take it for what it was. All right, we'll save your winner for last. That way, okay. we end on a up note. So why don't you go ahead and hit us with a loser? All right, I'm going to hit you over the head with a loser. Uh, this is one I was, I don't know if I was going to go that last week or not. Uh, my winner was already written down, so we'll, we'll stick with that one. The loser is uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. So you're 2-5, and 0-5 oh away from Sin City this year. This one's kind of low-hanging fruit, but what really triggered this was they release Jonathan Abram, uh, first-round pick from 2019. These are the draft picks. These are first-round draft picks for the Las Vegas Raiders uh, since 2019. Not not to put all of this on Josh McDaniel. Uh, I'll, we'll sort of get to him. But so the, in, in 2019, they bring in John Gruden. They bring in uh, Mike Mayock. Uh, they actually, yeah, they brought him in that year. They had three first-round picks. They take Number four overall, they take Cleland Farrell out of Clemson, which at the time people, you know, Farrell was kind of a top-12 pick kind of guy. Uh, they take him over Devin White, who went number five to Tampa Bay. It's worked out pretty well. And Josh Allen went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Probably want to have that one back. Cleveland Farrell's like a rotational linebacker at this point. Though there uh, was still there was some hype on David Carr at that point. That was I think that was right after he had that massive season and got hurt right before the playoffs, wasn't it? Yes, but no. This is Josh Allen, the D tackle. This is other. Oh, Josh that Josh. Okay. Who again is like a Pro Bowl player? I mean, so if you're looking defense, you could have taken Devin White or Josh Allen, who have both been outstanding. Twenty uh, fourth overall, twenty nineteen, they take Josh Jacobs. That's worked out well. That's fine. A good, solid running back. Is it high for a running back? You know, maybe. But Josh Jacobs has been good. Jonathan Abram, twenty seventh overall, already waived. You know, before the end of his rookie deal. 2020, this one's fairly egregious. They take Henry Ruggs, number 12, over Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, and Michael Pittman were the next uh, wide receivers taken. And that's obviously more of a personality. and yes. Yeah, that's because he was actually putting up great numbers. He was having... He was doing very good things. Well, but. You know, but he, he was kind of a straight-line guy. I mean, he wasn't the best receiver on that Alabama team. I mean, nobody watched Alabama and said, oh, yeah, Ruggs is better than Jerry Judy. It wasn't even close. So the fact that it was a little bit like, well, and this goes back to the Raiders again, Darius Hayward Bay over Michael Crabtree. It just wasn't even a competition, but the Raiders saw the fast play. I mean, I, I swore to God Al Davis came back to life and made that pick. 2021. Yeah, looking it up, the numbers weren't weren't as great as I thought they were. No, 
They he had a few. He was doing he pretty had a well in that. Line touchdowns. Yeah, he was ha- doing pretty well in the second year before everything went to hell. Obviously, the only thing I remember with with Rugs on the field was uh, when Greg Williams, uh, the Jets had the Raiders pretty much beaten. Greg Williams dialed up zero blitz on like three three plays in a row, and Carr I think just bombed it downfield, and Rugs scored a long touchdown to beat the Jets when they were winless. Uh, and then probably the most egregious, 2021, they take Alex Leatherwood, uh, offensive tackle from Alabama, 17th overall. He was a borderline first-round pick. Uh, I think they waived him last season. It was after one year, he's already out of the program. So you just can't you can't build a team like this where you have multiple first-round picks. They have a, they've had a lot of first-round picks. Yeah, they that just, was they haven't hit on any of them. Yeah, waste of the Khalil Mack trade. Pretty much. That's it. I mean, you look at 2019 and you have three first round picks and what was a, a pretty good draft. I mean, there was a lot of talent out there. And it's just like they, they got too cute, you know, taking Cleveland Farrell number four. People are like, well, I mean, I guess you know, he's a high character guy and, and maybe that'll translate. And maybe they're really trying to build a culture there. But as they brought in Anto- Antonio Brown the same year. <laughs> right. And, and you bring in John Gruden and the, the craziness that, that followed him around in there. So. You know, is Josh McDaniels doing right by the Raiders? Um, I mean, I don't think – I mean, he obviously doesn't want to be 2-7, and seven and I don't know how much of it's coaching, how much of it is, is personnel. The problem is, is that the Raiders are stuck with Josh McDaniels, for better or worse. They really can't fire this guy. And I was kind of doing the math that someone had said something earlier this week uh, on a podcast, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah, that said, look, they're still paying out John Gruden's hefty contract. Now they have a big contract with McDaniels. This is not a cash-rich organization. And then a report came out today. I think it was uh, Kleiman came out and said, look, the Raiders aren't going to fire McDaniels, even though they came out publicly and said, we stand by him. So they're not firing him this year, and they're probably not firing him next season. Can't afford to really pay three coaches. To, they can't pay three coaches because the Raiders are – we, we kind of know how cash-strapped they sort of are, that Mark Davis isn't a billionaire owner he can't go out and pay another coach. And can you really go down the, well, we'll just uh, promote from within and, and go Rich Passaccia again, you know, with that sort of hire when you just had Rich Passaccia and it didn't work. But for the Raiders standpoint, maybe it's good. I mean, Bill Belichick went five and 11, his first year in new England, you know, there were some, some dark moments. They won a few games late in the season. You've got to get through some of this stuff maybe. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but it's not going to be a, uh, a quick trigger on on pulling the plug on the Josh McDaniels era in Las Vegas. I would say if they weren't paying a fortune to John Gruden, I would give it two and a half week over under before McDaniels is a special consultant assistant for the New England Patriots. Is that the way to do it, though? I mean, because I was thinking of this, and, and it does seem... I mean, the loss to the Colts and the loss to a guy who's never coached above prep school for a year in, in Georgia. Um, I mean, that looks bad. The the optics are terrible on that. But can you really hire a head coach and say, yeah, but, uh, you know, we're going to hire you to a five-year deal. But if you go two and seven this season, we'll fire you by Thanksgiving. I mean, you know, as fans and pundits, I think everyone kind of agrees with that notion of, we all look at, you know, first coach fired numbers in Vegas and, you know, who's going to be let go. And, you know, people want Nathaniel Hackett fired in September. It's like you can't hire a head coach and then fire them immediately. We hear from former players all the time that what you need is consistency in the organization. And some of the teams that get the furthest and furthest away from becoming a, a stable franchise are the ones that have four and five head coaches over a six or seven year period. It doesn't do the players right. any favors. It doesn't do the organization any favors. Not saying you just keep a coach that goes, you know, four and four and thirteen every season. But I also think you, you need some level of consistency. And if you're the Raiders, you certainly can't cut bait after you said you drew the line in the sand. You said Josh McDaniels is our guy. Rich Passaccia did a great job, but we're going with McDaniels. And then three months later, to go, yeah, McDaniels wasn't the right guy. We're going to go with. And the problem is they. Dennis might... Allen. The problem is. You might have already had that guy, or at least the players sure. thought that you had that guy in Versace. I mean, you have a guy who 
somehow almost pretty much got you in the playoffs after just an absolute... He did get you to the playoffs. Yeah, after an absolute train wreck with Gruden and that whole fallout and just ugly. That's why I say pretty much... Yes, he was the one that pushed them and got them there. And you get to the offseason and you have pretty much every single player saying, bring him back. He's the guy we want. We're we love playing for him. And you say, no, no, I respect that you guys all want him. And he did this and we saw success, but we're going to go this other route. And then when you hit that little speed bump, you can't tell me that every one of those players that didn't want him there because they wanted Basaccia aren't going, see? Told you. F this guy. Well, it, right, because he's not their guy. Yeah. You know, and we've seen and heard some of the stories of what happened with McDaniels in Denver that first time. And, you know, I don't believe he's the same coach he was in 2009, but, uh, you know, this stuff does kind of follow you around. And guys, you know, they, they come to an opinion early that ah, you know, this guy's not a player's coach or this guy's a Belichick clone or this guy's, you know, whatever he is. I, I think there is some of that that follows around, you know, the Matt Patricias and the Joe Judges and, you know, anyone from that Belichick tree, everyone sort of looks at with a kind of a side-eyed glance and goes, ah, this guy's just trying to be, you know, Bill Belichick. When, Plus, and when we hear of what these guys are doing, they're, they're doing things kind of opposite the way that they did in New England. And there is nothing wrong with being a really good coordinator, but not being a great head coach. It doesn't always translate one to the well, next. There's, but I think you need to you need to find that out too. I mean, yeah. you know, how did we know that Norv Turner was born to be a coordinator? It wasn't just because he had success as a coordinator. It was when he failed as a head coach over and over. Dave Wanstat, you know, well, he Wanstat had a couple better in college. He, he was good in pet, you know. Yeah. I mean, he was he was okay as a head coach, um, but yeah, we, we see that with a lot of guys. You do, you don't prove it until they go try to be a head coach somewhere and it doesn't work out. And Nick I can see how that was tempting for the Raiders. I mean, McDaniel's was the most successful offensive coordinator of the last twenty years, and when he becomes available and you have a chance, I get it. I get it. I mean, that's 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 a shiny new toy, and when you trade for Devontae Adams and you have a quarterback who you've invested in and a new stadium that that's appealing because you can put that, you can put Josh McDaniels on a poster and say, you know, the Raiders are here. Rich Passaccia, everyone's going, ah, that guy, is he the coach? Is that, is that Derek Carr's dad? Uh, I mean, no one's going to know who that is. Yeah. I get it. Does it make sense? Sure. Do I agree with it? Yeah, probably not. And the trope of always bet on the team with an interim coach in the first week continues as the Colts get the uh, get the win for Jeff Saturday. Man, you miss. I mean, we talked about it last week when you were here. Just the clown show that was Indy. Which, by the way, that was your loser from last week. You were very excited to talk about. I was I was very excited for it. I so, so here was my my great line that that I had was uh you know so they they bench Matt Ryan and they start Sam Ellinger and they lose to the Commanders. So then they, you know they fire their offensive coordinator. Then they go play the Patriots and the Patriots beat them twenty six to three. So they fire Frank Wright. Negative two yards in the second half. Negative negative two yards. In the, in the second half, got stacked nine times. Uh, so you fire Frank Wright, you hire Jeff Saturday. I was like, you know, if they lose to the Raiders this week, like, is Jim Ursay going to try to hire the Peyton Manning statue as the GM when he fires Chris Ballard? Like, where is this going? He's trying to get everyone back in the fold. Yeah, Chris. Well, though they had Reggie Wayne, I think, is receivers coach. Already, a, oh, there's a lot just, of speculation that this is all a move to try to get Peyton back in the family and make him the GM at some point. I don't know. Reggie Wayne, Jeff Saturday, bring in Peyton Manning. 
I, I, which I get that there's something to it. I mean, Peyton really hasn't been around the franchise a lot outside of that statue that they did give him. And most people think Peyton Manning's more likely to be the next commissioner than a GM. God, Peyton looks like a commissioner, doesn't he? He's got he the does. look. He's got the look of a commissioner. Plus making stacks with Omaha Productions and all the stuff they're doing. So, someone made a good point. They go, why would Peyton Manning want to, you know, become a GM, team president? Why would he want to do any of that? The guy is broadcasting Monday Night Football from his basement without having to pay for the rights to the game. Like, how does someone get that? I was like, you know, when you when you lay when it out Peyton like that. Manning. Yeah. Yeah, when you're Peyton Manning, that's what you get to do. Omaha Productions. They're produced, they do the same now with a college football game. I don't think that's every week, but they do one of those telecast ones. They've been doing them with like Pat McAfee and his guys as they've had like a relationship. Yeah, Peyton's, Peyton's living large, loving life, I bet. I just hope he's not getting any of the backlash for the horrible uh, A-Rod Michael K broadcast they tried on Sunday Night Baseball because that was uh, e. the, the biggest fail in that concept. What happens if he becomes commissioner just in time for Indy to somehow get the first pick and get Archie Manning? A little arch. Oh, there'd be some collusion. Some collusion, yes. You uh, know, I, I like a good conspiracy theory. I think that one would rank right up there. It's harder. It's it's much easier. I can think of the conspiracy every year with the NBA because it has a lottery. Oh, and it's rigged. Maybe. <laughs> it just it just always works in the NBA. Like the NBA follows storyline closer than like WWE. Like things happen in the NBA where you go, yeah. I mean, that was how that was supposed to happen. All right, close us out, Pearl, with your winner from the week. Here's a winner held over from last week. Uh, you know, the time would have been a little bit better because it came on the heels of you calling this person a loser. Tom Brady is the winner this week. Uh, come from behind, win over the Rams two weeks ago. Uh, lost twice to the Rams before that. 55th game-winning drive of Tom Brady's career, most uh, ever, uh, in case you're wondering. That's three and a half seasons of game-winning drives. 24th career win, regular season, postseason, when attempting 50-plus passes. No other quarterback has more than five. Tom Brady also in that game hit his 5,000th passing first down most all time. Some of these I didn't even know were statistics, but they still sound impressive. Uh, Against the Rams, he hit his 100,000th passing yard, regular season and postseason. In case you're wondering, that is 56.8 miles of yards. I mean, that's, that can get you a place. That's, that's like driving for an hour on yeah. just Tom Brady's yards. Um, the comeback win against the Rams, he, the win in Germany. Uh, he's now won in four countries. The only quarterback ever to win in three foreign countries. The Buccaneers suddenly five and five. They were circling the drain two weeks ago, back-to-back wins. Over the Rams and Seahawks, they are now five and five. Their remaining schedule... I mean, this team's going to end up with like 10 wins. They're going to the playoffs. Their division's a dumpster fire. They are at Cleveland with no Sean. They're home for the Saints. At San Francisco versus Cincinnati at home. They're at Arizona, home for Carolina, and finish at Atlanta. Brady's back. Just when we thought they were done. Brady's back. They're going to the playoffs. We're going to get one more year, at least, of Tom in the postseason. And... uh yeah, back-to-back wins. Tommy's a winner. I'll buy it. I'll buy it for this week. But like you said, that that division is just... It's terrible. It is terrible. It is awful. And it just is more head-scratching every week. Like, somehow, like, Atlanta is going to go and beat whoever, like, Philadelphia by 30. And then they'll lose to the Texans by 15. They lost to the Carolina Panthers. I mean, the Panthers don't know what direction up is. Like, I thought they were going to lose their starting quarterback in the XFL draft today. Like, uh, I don't know what to make of the the Panthers. I mean, that whole division. Tom, tell me what you think of the, the symmetry right now of the NFL, where the NFC East and AFC East somehow are the two best divisions in the NFL, where... 
in the AFC, all four teams are right now would be in the playoffs. In the NFCs, obviously Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, Commanders. And then you have the AFC South where the Titans are going to win it by default. I don't really know how good the Titans even are. They play Green Bay tomorrow night. The Texans are awful. The Colts are pretty awful. I say that with a little bit of higher register. Uh, and then it's the same thing in the NFC South where it's the Buccaneers are there and then the Saints, Panthers, and Falcons are all awful. So it it's funny to me that geographically these divisions kind of mirror each other. Yeah. Freaking, what are the, Commanders are 5-5 five and five now, back to 500. Tyler Heineke, right back where he left off, somehow just winning games. Very similar to the, the Vegas the Vegas coaching thing we just talked about. Oh, we had a guy who was finding ways to win. Now we're going to get this other guy. Now you get rid of the other guy. Wentz is is gone for the foreseeable future. You're rolling with Heineke getting wins. Was it Chase Allen or is or Chase Young supposed to be back this week? He's been out all year coming off a torn ACL last November. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they could be rounding into form right now. It's funny. I just saw on, on the ESPN bottom line, uh, you know, these two quarterbacking decisions that Heineke's going to start for Washington this week and Andy Dalton's going to start for the Saints. Can you imagine being a Saints fan right now and hearing that Andy Dalton's still going to start? God. Like, how how bad does Jameis Winston look in practice? Or what's, I... You got me. You got me. Uh, unless they are low-key just trying to get a quarterback in the draft, I, I don't know what to tell you because, I mean, watching that Saints team, I mean, th- they got beat by a Steeler team. that was, The Steelers were trying. They were, they were playing their ass off. They're just not that good. And the Saints got to 10 points and were like, nah, we're, we're good. We're good. We're, we're going to try to win this game with 10. We don't need any, any more points. I'm trying to give a quick look here. So Jameis played in three games this season. And he had 858 yards. Why am I not seeing what I want to see? Whoops. Go back. Oh, Oh. I think a lot of people have said that about Jameis. Why am I not seeing what I want to see out of him? <laughs> Touche. Um, I'm not seeing touchdowns or picks, but. <laughs> Saints fans were. They knew, saw them all. Yeah. Anyway, doesn't look egregious to the point where you're. No, we got to stick with Andy Dalton. Right, like the other way would, would seem more apt that like, you know, we're we're gonna stick with Jameis, we're gonna ride this out and, and see if he's the guy. Like you know Andy Dalton isn't. Like we, we have like a long history of knowing Andy Dalton isn't the guy. And the same's like, I don't know, I think we need to see what we got in this kid. Well, you know. I think a lot of that has to do with choices that were made. By the Saints. For example, hiring Dennis Allen. Just because he was there. Inspired. Just because he was there. It's like, oh, he was there. Let's we won't pay any attention to the fact that he was by the numbers one of the worst coaches, head coaches in NFL history. It you know, and here's why I'm not quick to criticize Bill Belichick and the Patriots because we're in a similar situation to the Saints in and of that. We both had the same quarterback for like 20 years. You know, they lost their head coach, you know, a little bit different, but you know, these things can go very wrong very quickly after you've done things a certain way. If you're the New Orleans Saints and you've had Drew Brees all this time, you haven't had to adapt a lot of different things. You have the same head coach. Like we talked about the continuity is big in the NFL. You know, if you're the Patriots, I mean, there were people calling for Bill Belichick's job. I'm like, do you think things are going to get better for Mac Jones or for any of the young players on this team? If Bill Belichick isn't the coach for the next two to three years, do you think putting it in that upheaval of 
leaving the Tom Brady era behind and then also leaving the Belichick era and suddenly having I – mean, people in New England are upset because they don't know who the OC is. Can you imagine if the head coach was – I mean, you know, name young assistant elsewhere X. Yeah. If they, if they were the head coach taking the brunt of this, I mean, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, I don't think care at all about the criticism. But can you imagine if one of them was the head coach right now taking a beating at five and four? At five and four, they're in the postseason. They were in the playoffs last year. We could be the Saints right now, starting Andy Dalton and thinking that's the right thing to do. So Dennis Allen is currently 11 and 35 as a head coach. Before. The Saints this year, he was 8 and 18 in his two plus years in Oakland. He went 4 and 12, 4 and 12, started 0 and 4, and got fired. Not saying, just saying. I mean, it's Hugh Jackson esque. Yeah. Those are the teams, like, that's when you roll the dice with someone different. That's well, when anyway, that's where I complain and, and, about like the retread coaches. Who sure, and, and and I don't want to jump on the Jeff Saturday thing again because that's a horse that has been badly beaten. But I get the not going for you know when when we were younger. The example I always use is you know, quit hiring Marty Schottenheimer every season. You know, every time there's an opening, they're like, wow, they they're going to be playing Marty Ball this year. It's like, well, it didn't work in Kansas City. It didn't work in Cleveland. It didn't work in San Diego. But I'm sure it's going to work for you. Stop hiring but, Scott Skiles. Sure, exactly. The, the NBA, oh my God. Yeah, I'm going to bring in Larry Brown again. Um, I get bringing in some new blood. I, where I don't feel bad for the, well, they should have hired John Fox. I thought Pat McAfee had a great point. He goes, well, they just brought in John Fox and Gus Bradley, and things aren't going too well. So maybe I don't make them the head coach You know, nine weeks in. Hiring Jeff Saturday, the guys I feel bad for are the guys like Gerard Mayo, who, you know, they're on the Patriots, they're defensive coordinator, they've been at it like four years, and suddenly Jeff Saturday's a head coach. D'Amico Ryan's. Yes, these guys who, uh, Eric Bieniemy. Can you imagine being Eric Bieniemy right now? Though, to be fair, they probably can't pull one of these guys. Mid-season. No, no, no. You can't, you can't do it now, but I'm just saying in general that, yeah. that Jeff Saturday, like what would the Vegas odds be that you say that, you know what, I'm going to put money down that Jeff Saturday is an NFL head coach before Eric Bieniemy is. Yeah. Demeco Ryans, Dan Quinn. I mean, just any of these guys who, yeah, I mean, Dan Quinn's had an opportunity before, but, you know, some of these coordinators who, who are out there coaching the college coaches. I mean, look at some of these guys who would kill for an NFL head coaching job. Those are the ones I sort of feel for. I don't really feel yeah. for John Fox because he's in the same token. I don't know if it's quite Bill Cower, the biggest travesty to ever come about. No, 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 no. Come well, about that's co- co- I mean, what do you call it? He called it a disgrace too. to coaching. It, it's interesting. I mean, did you see what Pat McAfee said on this, where he, he called out, Joe Thomas and Bill Cower. Yeah. For he kept calling them media puppets and you know how egregious it was that they could, you know, hammer this so so but but it goes the other way too. I don't think it's necessarily defensible. Like I get it, but you know, like would Patriot fans be happy with you know Vince Wilfork as the head coach, you know, mid season? Right. Now the key is interim and, and McAfee hammered home that you know it's interim, it's for the season, this isn't forever. You can say that, but I think Jim Irsay is like, oh, why not? If he wins two, three games, why don't we make him the head coach in perpetuity? Plus, and I love, I've told you, and I've tried to push you, push you on that the Pat back McAfee bandwagon, but he he's a Colts guy through and through, and here's he's an Irsay guy, so I take some of that with a grain of salt. And, you know, oh, obviously sure. oh. he's got the relationships with the Jeff Saturday, with all those guys that he played with. So, yeah, I would oh, expect 100%. for him to, to stand up for him. And being a former player, a lot of players like the idea of, hey, if I decide to coach, it'd be fun if I could just, you know, jump to the, the front line. of the line. Sure. 
All right, guys, that wraps up this week's new sports order. Make sure you check out Sterling's Patriots Notebooks on the New Sports Order Facebook page every single week. They're up there on Mondays, even after the bye week. Had one up there. Yeah, even had had a bye week notebook. Uh, put put some hypotheticals about Bo Jackson in there. So you know what? I mean, no one knows where you're going to go over the bye when you have COVID. It's could be anything. Yeah. Now you're just resting up, drinking water from your Bud Light water bottle. I'm sponsored, baby, and uh, I will be back at Gillette this weekend. The COVID cowboy rides again. Yeehaw. Can't keep a good man down. Alabama said that. Rest in peace, Jeff Cook. You've been listening to the New Sports Order podcast. This has been a production of Uncommon Media.